This is Tack Box Talk, and this is Horse Stories with a Purpose. Who are we? We are equine educators, but we are owners. We are judges. We are competitors. We are coaches. We are volunteers. We are moms. We are horse owners just like you, and we want to share our horse stories with a purpose. Have you ever had a horse that you just couldn't keep weight on no matter what you tried? Hey, we've all been there. Today, we're going to speak to some equine experts that have been there, too. I'm Dr. Chris Heine from Oklahoma State University, and with me today is Dr. Carrie Williams. Hi, guys. I'm Dr. Carrie Williams. I'm the equine extension specialist at Rutgers University in New Jersey, and I'm also a horse owner. And Taylor Fabus. Hi, guys. It's Taylor Fabus from Michigan State University. I'm an extension educator here and also a horse owner. So today, uh, Taylor and Carrie are going to share the stories of Ozzy and Pinky, um, thin horses that they've managed and cared for over the years. So Carrie, if you want to start us out, tell us a little bit about the journey you've had with Pinky. Yeah, so Pinky is what I call your typical thoroughbred mare. Um, she's an off-the-track uh, thoroughbred. I got her... She's, I've had her about four years. Um, I got her about a year after she was on the track, so she already had some chum training. Um, but I will say that horses that have been on the track, about 90% of them deal with gastric ulcers. And unless you take care of that, you are going to struggle with that the whole time. So I, that's what I dealt with. Uh, about two years after owning her, I realized uh, she was still plugged with ulcers from when she was on the track. So I had to clear those first. So I'm not going to get into that aspect. But once those are cleared, then I can deal with trying to get her weight back up to where it needs to be. Um, and, and she is a little bit of a hard keeper. So along with the her total forage diet. I mean, she was on good quality grass hay, pretty much anything she wanted to eat. Um, I was supplementing some alfalfa cubes, probably about, you know, four or five pounds of alfalfa cubes because high calcium in the alfalfa um, does help um, buffer the, the stomach and helps with ulcers as well. And then she was also on a grain product. So, you know, I figured 2% of her body weight, she's about a 1,200 pound mare, is about 24 pounds of food. So she was getting at least that. But she still wasn't doing really well. So, um, you know, fat is where it's at. That was, that's what I always like to say. You really need to add the energy density, add extra calories to the food without having, you know, that really high sugary meal. So my favorite fat source, um, because again, I, I deal with a, a finicky thoroughbred mare, um, doesn't like the really oily, soupy uh, meals. I like rice bran. Not the oil from the rice bran, just straight rice bran. And if you get it in the pelleted form, um, it's really palatable. Also has a little bit of fiber to it as well. So um, you get that benefit there as well. I find Pinky does well on about a pound to a pound and a half per day. I divide it over her two to three meals. Um, really easy for my uh, barn manager and the farm crew to feed. Um, I have a scoop in there that's already been weighed out. They just scoop it on top of her feed, and she really loves it. So I pretty much keep her on that year-round. I just adjust as needed based on, you know, winter and her work. Because um, she has a dressage horse. We do some jumping as well. Um, so she, she works, you know, moderate exercise, I would say, every week. Okay. Perfect. Right. So Taylor, tell us a little bit about Ozzy um, and his background. I would love to tell you about my handsome guy. So 
I've had him about nine years. He's an appendix quarter horse, which essentially means his sire is a thoroughbred um, and his dam is a quarter horse. So he is mostly thoroughbred, much like Pinky. And when I first got him about eight years ago, we were having some trouble keeping weight on him. So keep in mind at this time, he lived at a boarding farm. So there's only so much that I could control as far as his diet. Um, what he was getting seemed uh, of high quality. At least if you looked at the hay, nothing was dusty or moldy or anything. It just wasn't really nutrient dense. It was just a grass hay. So one of the things like Dr. Carey did is I added alfalfa cubes so that we could up the calcium, up the nutrients of his forage because you probably already know forage is the most important part of a horse's diet. So we would rather increase the um, quality of that first. So we did that with alfalfa cubes. And then in addition, we top dressed on his grain that he was getting with a corn oil. So at the time, corn prices were pretty darn low. So a gallon um, wasn't too expensive. We just put a pump on the gallon jug and we started with a quarter cup a day and worked up to a half a cup. And that seemed to work really well. Um, it's very palatable. I had a nutritionist describe it to me as the difference between baking your food and deep frying your food. So um, we just added that easily digestible fat and it worked really well. And we got Ozzy um, to where we needed him to be pretty quickly. I mean, and by quickly, I would say over three months period of time. Okay. So that's a great question. Yeah. How fast would you expect your horse to gain weight if you do change their diet? That's a really good question, Chris, um, because really uh, an increase in weight that's too quick um, is not healthy. Um, you really, for any horse really. So I would say, you know, Taylor's comment about three months, kind of what it took Pinky as well. Um, you know, I would say you should change a body condition score in no quicker than a month. Um, but typically I find, you know, two to three months is a little bit more uh, appropriate. Okay. So it's not like the span between Thanksgiving and Christmas where we can really see some pretty <laughs> rapid results. <laughs> Wait, so that's no. not healthy? Shoot. <laughs> So what's the, this thoroughbred connection? I mean, are thoroughbreds just that much harder to feed? <laughs> That's a good, a good, another good question. Um, you know, I kind of relate it to, uh, to people because that's what we all can relate with. You know, there's those people that can eat a box of Girl Scout cookies and not look back and still have, you know, room to spare. Um, and then there's those people that smell a Girl Scout cookie and, you know, they're gaining weight. Um, so it really depends on the individual. Um, but also some breeds are much more efficient in their metabolism than others. So some of the thoroughbreds, some of the pony breeds, some of the draft breeds, they're very efficient metabolism. They don't need to eat a whole lot to maintain their weight. Um, but other breeds like the thoroughbreds, Arabians, standardbreds even, um, they actually have a really high metabolism. So they need to eat a lot more um, to kind of, to either maintain their weight or to even gain weight. But then again, like I mentioned, it is very horse specific. I mean, I have a th another thoroughbred mare and we competed in eventing at a pretty high level and she was really just on forage, nice grass pasture and a little balancer pellet. So it really de does depend on the individual. 
So now I heard uh, Taylor you used corn oil and Carrie you used uh, rice bran. I hear a lot of you know questions about well what kind of fat should the horse actually have? You know we always think about our omega threes and things like that. So what is what is best for the horse? Yeah, I get that question a lot too, Chris. At, at Rutgers here, people think, "Oh, you can't add corn, you know, add corn oil um, because you're going to increase the inflammation in their bodies." Well, here's my recommendation: is usually if you have a really healthy horse, um, you know, nothing, no Cushing's, no insulin resistance, no equine metabolic syndrome, um, and they're on a high forage diet. Because what most people don't realize is that pasture, grass hay, any of that alone is actually really high in the omega-3s. And that's a majority of their diet. So just an average horse on a high forage diet, their omega-6 to omega-3 ratio is way lower than we deal with on a daily basis in our own human diets with such high fat um, that we normally consume on a daily basis. So, you know, unless you're dealing with that sick horse, metabolic, you know, problem horse, um, you know, then you might want to look at like a fish oil or something like that. But otherwise, for the normal healthy horse, really doesn't matter. So we don't have to get like palm oil or coconut oil or anything like that. Just a, just an oil source is what we're thinking about. Yeah, and, and actually you can think of it this way. So in um, if a horse was eating 22 pounds of an orchard grass hay, they have the same amount of omega-3s in it as one cup of flaxseed. And I know flaxseed's one of these, you know, high omega-3s as well. So really very high in omega-3 in a normal diet. So what about if you have one of those finicky horses that you feed them and just isn't really interested in eating all of its food? I have a really close friend actually that has dealt with this. So she has a horse that um, they really need to put some weight on and he's just not a food made motivated horse. So it's made things really difficult for her. And one of the first things that they had to sort out was the ulcer issue, much like pinky. So that was part of the reason for him being so finicky about his food is not everything jived with his digestive tract. So that was one of the things that helped. And then certainly considering um, some of the concentrates that are more palatable for him has helped. Still haven't figured things out totally, though, so I'm interested in hearing more advice if you ladies have any. Yeah, I think it's really just kind of a, a shotgun approach for the really finicky ones. Once you take care of their gut and all that's healthy, then it's just finding something they like. Um, like I mentioned, Pinky's really picky, too. She really didn't like the oil in her feed. Um, she doesn't even like uh, to wet feed. She doesn't like her cubes to be moistened at all. They have to be dry. Um, you know, she's pretty picky, but I have found, fortunately, she loves her rice bran. Um, you know, I started, and you should do this with any fat, Start adding little at a time. Don't throw a, you know, a pound in there at once, but, you know, little by little, just adding it over the course of a week or two. Um, and, you know, really, she'll even eat it plain now. And I find that a lot of finicky horses really do seem to do well on the pelleted rice bran. They might not like the powders or the oils, um, but once you put it in pellet form, they seem to like it a lot. So I guess it's really just kind of picking and choosing and see what they like and what they don't. So now it also sounds like Pinky and Ozzy, uh, it was pretty convenient because they were in stalls, so you could feed them their uh, grain meals morning and night, and they got to eat that. But what about if your horses are on pasture or they live in groups together? 
Yeah, that brings up a whole new set of challenges. So I actually am removed from the boarding farm situation now in a different way because now I'm a boarding farm owner. So I'm lucky enough to have my horses in my backyard and I can make all the changes I need to anytime I want, but that's not always the case. So a couple things that we do, I would say it's interesting as I've learned more about how to supplement fat, we actually do have a rice brand product that we use for several of our skinny horses. And it's so nice because it's in a pellet. It's so darn easy to feed the horses, whether they're in a stall or, or out in the pasture. Um, so just another vote for rice brand over here. For our pasture horses that live out in the pasture, they don't come in in stalls. We have separate turnouts that we're able to feed them in, and we do that. It allows us a chance to get our eyes on those horses, make sure that everything's healthy, nothing has changed, and that they can finish their meal on their own because they each get individual feedings. So um, that's how we handle it at our farm. Well, what if, what, if, uh, what if you only have pasture and you don't have um, separate turnouts for them? Well, it, it's, it's funny, um, and some of you will laugh when I say this, because it's not all that commonly used, but you should try using a feed bag. So you can put the horse's feed directly in a bag and stick it on its nose. Um, and really, you know, horses are for the most part, food motivated. Um, they'll learn pretty quickly um, that when you come walking into the field with that bag, you know, they know it's for them and they'll, uh, they do really well with it. Um, the thing to note here though, is to, if you don't want the other horses to know what's in the bag, never let them know that there's food in that bag. Um, then they'll kind of just leave the horse alone because they don't even realize what it's doing. They don't realize that it's eating. They might, I don't know what they're thinking. We can't, can't know what they're thinking, but um, it really helps for people that have only a pasture setting. They can't bring the horses in a stall, but they really need to give this one horse food. And I've seen it work really well. You just got to remember to take the bag off when they're done eating because uh, then they're not going to be able to eat anything else or even drink anything else. So it takes a little bit of management. So here, how does it stick on their head? It's really just like a grazing muzzle. If you've ever seen the grazing muzzle, it's like a bucket and then it has a strap that goes over the head and sometimes even a strap like under the throat latch. Um, so you put it on, just uh, snap it on. I've even seen some snap onto the sides of the halter. I've seen a, a bunch of different kinds, but it's just a, it's not a, like a rigid bucket. It's just kind of a bag um, and they can put their nose on the ground and, you know, just kind of lick it up. Perfect. So the other horses, they, they don't ever just come and like try to get their nose in the bag too? I think the key is just never let them know what is in the bag. Um, you know, don't let them ever eat out of the bag, and then they really won't know what the other horse is getting. Okay. So they seem to leave them alone. Sneakiness is the key factor. <laughs> exactly. Perfect. Um, so any other thoughts? You know, I've had questions um, people have sent to me over, well, my horse is on pasture, and that's supposed to be the best thing for them, right? But they're still thin. Uh, might there be anything going on there? Well, absolutely. Pasture is ideal. But what I have found from most of my experience, what people think is pasture is really more of a turnout with some opportunity to graze. Typically, we put horses on a smaller turnout or a, even a small pasture, whatever you want to call it. There's not enough forage for them to get their nutrient requirements for the day. So it's good for their mental stability. It's good for um, allowing their digestive tract to work throughout the day. But 
for the most part, I haven't seen a lot of really well-maintained pastures that provide enough for a high-performance horse like Pinky or Ozzy. Now, if we're talking about my ponies, my daughter's ponies, a little bit of turnout with an opportunity to graze is plenty for them. Yeah, that's a good point. Back to the pasture. Um, you know, we actually have kind of this guideline. If you want good quality pasture that's suitable for your horse's nutrition, we use kind of the 70% three-inch rule. So if you have 70% of your pasture covered in good quality edible grass, so not weeds, um, and it's at least three inches in height, um, that should be should be sufficient. However, if you have a field and you turn 10 horses out there and all of a sudden now they graze it all down to nothing and it's about a half inch tall, you know, then there goes your nutrition. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's really important to keep that forage maintained if you're planning on using that as a good source of nutrition. That's a really good rule of thumb. I don't think I'd heard that before. And you already mentioned this and I'll mention it again. Like, if you want to maintain that pasture, it takes some work. So it's not something that's just going to be out there. It takes some fertilization. It takes some care, some uh, removing of, of fecal matter, things like that, so that you don't have just a bunch of weeds. So you actually have high-quality forage. So now Pinky and Ozzy, it sounds like they were in their uh, prime of their life and had trouble keeping weight on, but you guys found a solution for them. Do the rules change any if, if we're talking about these older horses that we start to see losing weight over time? Managing the older horses is probably one of my favorite things. Um, we have several at our boarding farm right now, and certainly we have to individualize their care. But I have found the rice bran products to work really well. So it's easy. It's easier than oil to give on a daily basis because it's just less messy. Um, it's very palatable. I have yet to find a horse that doesn't want to eat it. But the first thing, before we worry too much about what they're eating, uh, we definitely have the either the vet or the equine dentist come out and make sure that everything is okay inside their mouth. Make sure that they can chew and digest whatever we're feeding them. So I think first things first, um, check out their teeth and make sure things are good because I would say at least half the time um, when we've had an old horse that has had trouble with weight and we suggested that the owners have their teeth looked at, um, there was some pretty severe problems. So make sure that you don't overlook those. Yeah, that's a really good point, Taylor. Um, I would always check the teeth first. Um, you know, another thing that we can't see, and you know, sometimes the vets can't even determine, you know, as horses age, um, the capacity of their digestive system to digest and absorb all of the nutrients that they were able to when they were younger decreases. So that's why it's really important to make sure that the feeds for an older horse are highly digestible. So we're talking about, you know, really good good quality, soft, palatable, green hay, um, fresh, you know, nice pasture forage. Um, and that's why a lot of the senior diets that you would buy, just the commercial senior diets, are uh, they have either a soft pellet or what's called an extruded pellet. Um, kind of looks like dog food. If you add a little water to it, everything just kind of falls apart. It makes it really easy for these horses to digest, you know, especially as they get older. And I think that that's probably the big key is just very digestible feeds. Well, great. Do you guys have any other thoughts or anything else you want to share about Pinky and Ozzy with us today? I kind of have a question, guys, and I'd love to hear your opinion on this. I've had some people 
um, argue, I don't know if that's the right word, but um, ask me that if they do give their horse some high fat supplement, is it going to make their horse more hyper? And I have not found that to be the case, but is there some science that I could share to help back up my claims? <laughs> That's a great question. And I hear that all the time. Um, and, and it's funny, I did my graduate work uh, at Virginia Tech. And when I first got to D Virginia Tech, there was a graduate student that was doing some behavior studies with horses on high fat diets. So um, and I would have loved to have participated in the study because basically what she did is she walked horses down a barn aisle and opened an umbrella in the middle of the barn aisle right as the horse was passing them and they scored their reactivity. Um, and she found, and I mean, it was pretty significant differences between the high sugar diets and the high fat diets. The horses on the high fat diets were much less reactive to things like that. And also pressure. They had some pressure tests. They had a whole bunch of different tests. Um, but, and, and even more so the science behind that. So that was one kind of fun little study, but fat is, is, a slow release of energy. It's it's three times as energy dense, but you can't get the energy out of a fat molecule like you can out of a glucose or a sugar molecule. Um, it's with sugar. Think of a kid that just ate a whole bunch of Halloween candy. You know, they they do get really hot. Um, you know, they run around and then they crash. That's because the energy is released really quickly. Where with fat, the energy is released really slowly. Um, over a long period of time. So they get the energy from it, but it's not used to create a hot horse. That is not the case. So good question. Perfect. Thanks. That's awesome. I didn't shoot. I guess I should do some more research on the research, but that's really good to know. But you still, I always want to say, you still need to train the horses that eat the fat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they still need to, you know what? It's funny that you mentioned that. Um, we had, so Ozzy just a, about a year ago or so he was injured and couldn't work anymore so much. Um, and I made the mistake of not adjusting his feed. So he wasn't still on the corn oil diet, but he was still on a pretty high performance diet. And I remember partway through the winter, I took off his blanket and thought, Oh my goodness, shame on me. I didn't adjust it for the amount of work that he wasn't doing anymore. So learn from me guys, just know that the amount of work is also going to affect the amount of calories your horse needs to take in because then I had to spend several months um, kind of lowering his feed intake and to get his body condition score back to where I wanted it. So learn from me. Gotcha. So is us taking off the, the winter coats in the spring and going, oh my. <laughs> <laughs> and I swear, I look under his blanket often, but it was one day that it was like, oh my goodness, what have I done? So he's, he's back to where he should be now. But just know that even extension educators and so-called experts make mistakes and just keep having conversations with other equine enthusiasts and asking them what they did and um, there's no one right answer to fix the problems. Just try your best. And there's a ton of resources out there. So, Well, perfect. Well, thanks so much, ladies, for sharing your stories of Pinky and Ozzy. And I hope everyone has enjoyed our horse stories with a purpose. No problem. Thanks for listening. Thanks, ladies.